0: Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepherd. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease, to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at SheTalksHealth.com, and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the She Talks Health Show. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and women's gut and hormone health coach. I like just love this podcast so much. Like, I love the fact that I spent my day interviewing incredible women about women's hormones and gut health. And this is going to be the same. This is going to be an awesome conversation with my friend Stephanie Adler. She is the founder of Bright Bean Health and is a certified nutrition consultant. She's also a fertility counselor, a wellness coach, and a birth doula. So Stephanie is pretty much the bomb. Her practice focuses on supporting those with cycling bodies in balancing their hormones, healing their guts, and all things baby-making. She is immensely passionate about giving women the knowledge and tools they need to thrive in the modern world. When she isn't supporting clients, you can find Stephanie on a pottery wheel, making moon mugs, hiking, or walking barefoot by the beach. And uh, today, Stephanie and I are going to talk about amenorrhea, or a missing period, Stephanie, welcome to the show, and I just, like, love your intro because it's literally me, except for I'm not a birth doula. (laughs) I love it. Even, like, our
1: side hobbies. Really? Oh, my God. I didn't know you had pottery in your blood, too. That's so fun. Yeah, Um, Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. I just was like, oh my gosh, we can just jam about so much stuff. I just got done with a four-day huge hiking trip and everything too. So I was like, oh, I
1: can't wait to talk to Stephanie. <laughs> mm. So amazing. Yeah. I know. When I first came across your page too, I was like, oh my God, it's like a clone in the best possible way of me. Like, I love that we're doing such similar work. And like, I just think it's such important work that we need so many more women advocating and educating women on these topics.
0: Seriously. And this one's a big one, a menorrhea. So Let's talk about it. I know everyone's probably like, "Oh my God, that's such a fancy word word, but <laughs> it's not that fancy. We're gonna break it down um actually before you know before we do though, I, I always love to start with your story like how how did you end up um being the founder of bright Bean Health?
1: Totally, yeah, so when I was from the time I was like a baby, actually, like my mom says, you know, even before I can remember, I just always had such painful digestive issues like was always crying as a baby I can always just remember being so sick like after every meal growing up and spent most of my childhood like in and out of doctor's offices being you know trying to rule out Crohn's or colitis and basically was just left with here's an IBS diagnosis like good luck and I at the time was like just so desperate to be able to like go to a bat mitzvah without you know having to leave because I was in such bad pain or you know whether it was being embarrassed by like needing to go to the bathroom, whatever it was, I was just so desperate to try anything that I tried switching my diet at a time where it was so not, at least, you know, where I was from, but I think most of the places, like it was just not being talked about that often. And my doctors at the time were like, we've tested you for celiac. We don't think that cutting out gluten is going to help. And I was just like, well, I'm going to give it a shot because I'm desperate. And within three months, most of the symptoms I had been having for 13 years just like went away. And I just became really, really aware of the relationship between food as a catalyst for disease in the body or as medicine. And so when I went to school, my mom was like, you should become a nutritionist. And I was like, shut up, mom, because like no you know, kids can listen to their mom.
0: Do we have the same mom?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had listened to her sooner. I mean, we all like have a journey and that's fine. But yeah, so I went to school, I studied conflict resolution. I did something completely different. And then when I came back to the States, I did my undergrad abroad. I was just like, so shocked by the reverse culture shock of, you know, junk food being advertise, and then a a pharmaceutical on TV and like them alternating and people not putting two and two together and really decided I wanted to be part of the solution. So a few years late, I took my mom's advice and went back to school to become a nutritionist. And through that journey, I had realized that I had gone so far to heal my gut and to manage my anxiety and do all these things, but like something still wasn't right. And I wasn't looking at the one other thing that I was putting in my body every day, which was my birth control. And Mm. through that ended up getting off of birth control, had a menorrhea for several months, really needed to deal with post birth control syndrome. And through that, just fell in love with the female body and the power that we possess when we are given the right ingredients. Um, and so the rest kind of became history.
0: Mm, Stephanie, you're just speaking into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hang out in real life. This is so cool. Um, yeah, I, I think. I feel, it's really weird. I, I also went to school for something completely different. I was a theater nerd and did like the Broadway thing, stage managing. Um, it's actually cool. my partner. And yeah, like I had a whole other life. Um, then I did event planning and then I went back to school to become a health coach. <laughs> so it was like three careers, you know, like later. But my mom was always kind of like, yeah, you should, you should go get some training because you've been dealing with gut health issues since you were, you know, a kid. So, that's crazy. I didn't know that about you.
1: <laughs> oh my god. And something else just came up. We have so much to talk about. We'll do it later, but I used to call myself a nourishing event uh creator because I was like running wellness retreats and events and like was t- obsessed with event planning. So, we have so much oh to my talk gosh. about. We can take it offline. <laughs> okay, sorry guys. We'll we'll let's
0: let's talk about Emerya. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. We're we're jamming here, but um um okay, cool. So let's talk, let, let us talk about amenorrhea, um, or a missing cycle. There's, there's two kinds. So walk us through, um, what, what amenorrhea is. Um, and we're going to give a lot of tips and, and kind of walk you through the process here. So you lost your period after, after the pill. So yeah.
1: Talk to us about amenorrhea. Yeah. Yeah. So amenorrhea sounds like a fancy word, but also it really is just the lack of menstruation. So like the lack of having your period, Um, And the two different kinds of amenorrhea that we primarily talk about, though there can be other causes of a missing period, but basically is primary amenorrhea, which is if you haven't gotten your period by 16. So if you're 16 years old and in a female body and you have not started menstruating, we consider that primary amenorrhea and it's probably a good time to go chat with your doctor and see what's going on. The second kind of amenorrhea is called secondary amenorrhea. And this is when your period goes absent for more than three cycles for more than three months later in life. So let's say, you know, you've had, even if you've had a regular cycle, you know, when you were a teenager, which is totally normal, by the way, I think that that is one thing that, we really need to talk about more. It's like when you're first getting your period, it's totally normal for it to come you know, every other month or like to, to work its way out. But after that, it, it goes in the same for more than three months after having a regular cycle, we consider that secondary amenorrhea. Great
0: descriptions. And yes, I, I agree. It's really important. I'm going to... I'm going to echo what you just said, because I'm actually of the privilege of, of working right now with a 15 year old and a 17 year old sisters on their gut and their hormones. Um, and one of them has, um, has, has secondary amenorrhea, even though she's just 17, but she really truly does because she's, she's anorexic. And so, and we'll talk about that in, in a second, but, uh, what I was really wanting to echo is what Stephanie said is like, it's actually really normal for your cycle to be not normal at the beginning. Like what you would think of as a typical 28 day cycle. Like some women never get a typical 28 day cycle. They have polycystic ovary syndrome or something, and they have regular cycles, but especially the first year to even up to 12 years, your cycle can take to regulate. So that actually can
1: be, can be normal. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And it's so fun working with women of that young women of that age. I also worked with a 14 and a 16 year old. And I so I just didn't wonder like, what would the world be like if more young women had that education up front? And so anyone who's listening to this who knows a young woman, like please send this podcast <laughs> yes. to young women so they can learn this early on.
0: It's so important. I, I know I since the invention of Clubhouse a couple of weeks ago, I've been exposed to a couple other practitioners and OBGYNs that work with young women. And I'm like, man, I just love I love getting I wish someone had like (laughs) stopped me when I was 16 dealing with IBS and period issues and was like, you know, learn more about the birth control pill. And, you know, there's other ways to heal your gut than, um, than, you know, low, low stomach acid, pill, <laughs> you know? Um, so, okay. So let's say perhaps that someone's listening and they're in their thirties and they've had a regular cycle for a long time. Um, and maybe they all of a sudden have lost their cycle. So let's talk about, um, you know, wh- why that might be, um, the kind of different things to consider if your cycle's gone MIA.
1: Yeah. So if your cycle was already irregular and it has gone more missing, then like that is oftentimes a good time to look at something like PCOS, right? Like if your cycle has historically been irregular and um, you're not necessarily considering like all of a sudden cycle's just gone missing, but it's kind of been all over the place for a while, I would usually first say like, well, let's look at PCOS. Maybe like also one thing that I will say is like if your cycle has been relatively regular and then you... The biggest, sorry, like all over the place because there's so many things But I just want to get out there and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what makes sense to put first. But basically, first things, and I think that we're seeing more and more of this, and this is why I think what is most concerning to me is we're seeing hypothalamic amenorrhea coming from under eating, nutrient deficiencies, lack of carbohydrates, and overexercising. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I have a course actually called Fertility Freedom Academy, and when I was doing some research for trying to give women clear guidance on how to exercise for fertility, I came across something that I found fascinating. And it was basically two different studies done four different years apart that found that moderate exercise is beneficial to almost all people with ovaries when they're trying to conceive. But that high intensity, like vigorous exercise, which they define as more than five hours of high intensity exercise a week, is only beneficial for women who have a high body fat percentage and actually reduces the chances of you getting pregnant for any other women.
0: And Holy so moly. that's an incredible that study to find. Yes. Oh my gosh. I send that to me so I can like shout it from the rooftops. I feel like I talk about this all the time. The overexercising. Wow. Okay. Keep going.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, you think about it, like five hours of high intensity exercise is not that crazy when so many, you know, I know so many women who go to berry five times a week or who go to SoulCycle or whatever it is. It's something we would definitely, and they go to five classes a week and that's five hours pretty much, you know, and like, that's really, we're getting to that point. And so I think so often we pair this with like women trying to go keto or women trying to do low carb to lose weight or women just under eating in general, like, because they're doing a bikini competition or like something similar to it, right? Like whatever it is. And we get missing periods. I had a client actually who, um, was very underweight, struggled with an eating disorder, very, very much loved exercise. Like it was a part of her identity, went on the birth control pill, got off. And, you know, a year plus later, her period still hadn't come back. And we were doing everything in the book. And really, it was a classic case of hypothalamic amenorrhea. And the solution for that is really not what anyone wants to hear who is coming from that, that got to slow down you can't work out. You got to eat more. You got to gain weight. And I think for so often, that's really challenging for people who have created such an identity around like being super fit. Um, but that is like the primary case for hypothalamic amenorrhea um, is, that I'm seeing most frequently is like this over-exercising, under-eating.
0: Yes, abso- absolutely. And I think um, yeah, I see it all the time. Um, I got questions a lot about it. Like, Hey, what, where's my period or where did it go? And like, I had a client recently who came to me who was missing her, her cycle. And I just had her start eating starchy carbohydrates except for gluten. Cause it was obviously causing her a lot of issues. Um, and I, th- I think that's all I had her do. Maybe I had her take like magnesium or something to just like get her started And her main thing was she had been on birth control and she had come off and it had been five months. She hadn't got her cycle and she got her cycle that month just by like eating more food. And I think that's important too. It's like, you know, it is the, it's the combination. It's basically as Dr. Laura Bryden explains it, it's like the, it's the deficit, right? It's like the deficit of food for energy because food is energy, you know, versus how much you're working out. And because the society has told us <laughs> to eat less and exercise more, this is not necessarily applicable for fertility or for ovulation in regular cycles, right? So we can totally put our body under that stress and not get the ovulation down and then we're not going to get the period. So that's that's basically hypothalamic amenorrhea or HA, um, fun yeah. little abbreviation.
1: And one way that I like to describe it to people is like thinking of it like triage, right? So like when your body is in fight or flight, it can't be in feed or frolic. And frolic is like the production of reproductive hormones. And so while exercise is sometimes a necessary stressor and like a good positive stressor, because, you know, that helps us get stronger and like, it's okay to have some inflammation in the body. If we're in a constant state of like fight or flight, because we're exercising too much and then not feeding our body enough where it feels safe and it feels like there's a state of famine, then reproductive hormones and digestion for that matter, are like, pretty low on the triage list, right? Like, they're not going to be supported. And so, thinking about like what makes your body feel safe and taken care of is then the environment. And we also say this in the birth space, it's so interesting. Like, we want the environment when the baby went in for when the baby came out. Like, you want to feel like sensual and safe and all the things. And that's when things open up. And it's the same idea for like creating healthy hormones. Like, we want the body to feel safe and secure and like a little almost like I like to think of like cushion, right? Like, there needs to be some like softness and curves for the body to feel like, okay, let's make this baby (laughs) or make my hormones.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And if you think, I mean, truly what you just said makes, makes so much sense. And I, and I feel like, gosh, I can't even imagine how many times I've had this conversation because it's so opposite of what we think we should do. Like we, we, you know, we think we'll exercise that's, you know, that's helpful. That's healthy. But we don't realize that when we look at the whole stress bucket of a, of a person who's trying to get pregnant or to regulate their cycle or get a, a get a get a cycle altogether even to begin with, you've got to factor in all the stressors. And one of them can be over exercise or under-eating. And I think that's really important um, that you explain that. You know, the body has to be in that place where um, where it's safe to reproduce, like whether you like it or not, whether you're trying to get pregnant or not, every single month you know, your period is the result of, of your body trying to get you pregnant with ovulation and then not yeah. succeeding. So, um, you know, every single month your body is trying to set your brain is basically assessing whether or not, Hey, is it safe here for me to produce life? And that's huge when you think about it, right? We just don't even realize oh, right.
1: that it's what's going on in our body. Um, uh, totally. so. we just haven't caught up with evolution, you know, and it's like such a primal thing that we're doing every month. Yes, yeah.
0: absolutely. So great. So one of the main causes of amenorrhea um, is HA hypothalamic amenorrhea, where essentially it's caused by the either the st- you know stress, um, but mo- more likely the stress of under eating and over exercising, right? Totally, and
1: and it sometimes can be just stress, um, and typically in those. Uh, cases will also see like anxiety and depression be pretty present and like pretty intense stress um, can definitely do that. But I I more often see it coming from the lack of carbs, overeating, undereating, overexercising.
0: Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, do you want to talk about maybe the because um, I know there's there's several other causes, but do you want to actually talk about your story with like post birth control syndrome and losing losing your cycle after? being on the sure. Power?
1: So. Yeah, I'd be super happy too. And I also actually, well, I thought you were going to actually mention the prolactinoma because I recently had like a bit of a scare with that, which was pretty interesting. And I'm like really excited to share that. Oh, well, just, like, if you want to start with that, for people to
0: know. Yeah, you start with the prolactinoma. I think that's that's great. I've had a couple clients with that as well.
1: Cool. Um, so I actually just like got some standard blood work done because I always want to just keep an eye on my hormones and everything. And so I got prolactin checked and didn't really think anything of it, but it came back very high. Like, you know, it was one of those things where the lab calls you and they're like, I didn't catch the uh, call of course. And then it was like the weekend and I was like, Oh my God, what if my lab was like, hi, that they won't tell me. It was just like, we have an abnormal lab test. And so I was like on pins and needles all weekend. But when it came back, it was pretty high. And so of course I went down, you know, I knew peripherally around, you know, prolactinoma and all the things that I was like really trying to figure out my cycles, totally normal, all the things. And I don't drink caffeine. And so I drink Dandy blend like every day. And I started thinking about it and I was like, well, dandelion is like pretty good for milk production if you're, you know, breastfeeding and I bet it's because it raises prolactin. And so I actually like waited, you know, a couple weeks of like not drinking any dandy blend and went in and got my levels tested and my prolactin came back totally normal. And it was a hundred percent of dandy blend, which is so interesting. Um, <laughs> And I just share this because I know so many people who drink dandy blend when I go off of caffeine. And I just really want you to know, like, if you get your prolactin levels back and they're abnormal, like, don't freak out. Because I did that and like it's not worth it. Um, just go off of it for a couple of weeks and see how you do and you're probably going to be fine. But basically, if you have a high prolactin, it can make... It's essentially like when women are breastfeeding and their prolactin is high they often won't get their periods. And so if there's another reason why your prolactin is high, sometimes it'll be a benign tumor on the pituitary gland. um, That can also lead to missing periods. And as long as it's, sometimes it won't be symptomatic. And so as long as it's not symptomatic and your cycle is normal, it's like actually usually not a problem to leave it there. But if it is, and I'm curious because you've had clients with this experience, but if it is symptomatic you know it, sometimes you could need to get it removed in order or there's medications that can make it smaller um in order to help your period come back because that is also uh not super common but a like relatively you know not rare but relatively common cause of amenorrhea as well yeah.
0: I, I, yeah. That's really important. And I love that you brought up that little scare because um, I know there's, there's different things can artificially promote prolactin. Like if you got your blood test done and you had just worked out or you just had caffeine mm-hmm. or a stressful morning, like all those things could actually promote high prolactin levels. So it's actually important to take that test in a specific way. Um, I believe Dr. Laura Bryden has a really good article about prolactin and like the things to consider when taking it um, just so that you get an accurate reading. So that's, I'm really glad you brought that up because, oh my gosh, what, how scary is it when something's out of alignment. You're like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Do I have a tumor? Um, but you're right. There is Also, even if it is a benign, uh, prolactinoma, it, you know, you can pretty much take medication or have surgery. Although I think the, the pretty standard, um, thing I've seen is people to take, um, medication for it and not to to do the surgery, but that is, um, yeah, that's a really good one. And definitely worth, I think if you're, if you're in a situation where you know, you know, you you didn't just come off the pill, you don't have HA, you don't have PCOS, like, you know, prolactin is a good one to definitely look into. Um, Cool. Okay. So we've got a couple more ideas for you guys about what causes HA. Um, Do you want to just pick one? (laughs) The next one? Sure.
1: So getting off the, and we can talk about getting off the pill for sure. So when you get off of hormonal birth control, it's very, very common for your cycle to take a little while to come back. And I sometimes equate this to going through puberty again. Like just like in the beginning when we talked about, it can take several years for your cycle to regulate when you first get a cycle, your body has basically been on overdrive while you're taking hormonal birth control. And so whether it's you know, an IUD or taking or an oral contraceptive, when you are overriding that system and your body needs to relearn how to do it, for some women, it might come back immediately, It's muscle memory, but for other women, it might be like going through puberty again. And I've heard some experts say that it can take half as long as you were on the pill for your cycle to regulate on its own. And I mean, and Sophie and I both know there are a lot of things we can do to speed that up, um, you know, with, diet, lifestyle, supplements, etc. But it, you know, one, don't be super alarmed if it doesn't come back, but it is just your body's way of communicating with you. Like, Hey, I'm having to relearn this and I might need some help.
0: Absolutely. I've, I've heard that too, that it can take, you know, half the time. And also if you went on birth control before your cycle was regulated, like me, when I was like 15, or you went on mm-hmm. because, you know, you were told That it was the only thing to do for like your PCOS, or even if you didn't have a diagnosis and you just had some horrible symptoms and, um, and that's why you went on instead of going on for actual birth control, it can cause it to be take a lot longer because whatever was going on is still there and maybe causing that irregularity or absence. So yes. Okay. So post-birth control syndrome, one of the side effects can be amenorrhea, talked about HA and we talked about prolactinoma. So do you want to talk about PCOS?
1: Sure. So, um, and one last thing to say about the birth control pill, because I know that this happened to me, is I bled the first month I was off of it. I always call this like the fake out bleed. I see this with clients a lot. Yes, like the fake out the first bleed. First mm-hmm. and then you won't bleed for like four or five months afterwards, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm not I'm to say that word on <laughs> no, here. it's okay. But, Apparently, um, my my audio
0: engineer who edits this podcast was like, "I had said I had said the word bullshit like a couple episodes ago," and he's like, "You know, you have to write explicit now because like iTunes and everything." So I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess we're doing explicit on this one too." <laughs> oh no, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't care.
1: Anyways, um, so but yeah. yeah Fake out so bleed. like if that happens to you, if you get the fake out bleed and then it goes away, like, you know, that's, that's within the scope of like common for that to happen. And just like, while we're putting all the things out here, so no one thinks that they're like crazy and abnormal. And it's like, it came for one month and then didn't come for four. That's, it happens a lot. And it really just like support your liver, support your gut, do all the things and it's going to come back. Yes. Um, okay. So PCOS. Oh, PCOS. <laughs> yes. I... I mean, I, I just, am so frustrated with the way the conventional medical system deals with PCOS. So like every time I talk about it, I feel like I'm going into battle, but um, <laughs> yeah, tell
0: me about it. It's like, and the, and the, 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 people who menstruate, who have PCOS, they're the ones left holding the bag. And it's just, yeah, that's a whole other episode that I've had before, but so PCOS polycystic ovary syndrome can cause irregular cycles, which could probably seem like a right?
1: Exactly. And so, you know, it is not uncommon for women who are experiencing PCOS to go several months without a bleed. Um, the good news is, is that PCOS is hundred percent treatable with diet and lifestyle. And I mean, I've seen turnarounds like it's nobody's business, you know, like going six months without bleeding to having regular 29 day cycles, like it's nothing. Um, so one of the ways that you can kind of figure one of the tests that they use to figure out like is this potentially PCOS or is this HA is actually a progesterone test. So like if they give you progesterone and then you do not bleed, that means you likely have hypothalamic amenorrhea as opposed to if you do bleed with the progesterone, then you more likely have PCOS because in PCOS you're still building up a lining and there's just no like hey, it's time to let it go signal whereas In HA, you're not really even building up a lining because uh, estrogen isn't being stimulated either. So PCOS, you would most likely see other symptoms of PCOS besides in a regular cycle. You might see other signs of high androgens or testosterone, maybe like some facial hair, uh, like your voice getting deeper, maybe skin tags, maybe acne, maybe thinning hair, some other symptoms that are common with PCOS, including also, but not limited to, because I see a lot of like, quote unquote, skinny PCOS. Um, But I think so often there's the uh, perception that if you have PCOS, you're going to be struggling with your weight. Um, But oftentimes, if any of those other symptoms that I talked about are present, and you haven't had a cycle for three plus months, likely PCOS is the cause of your amenorrhea or your missing period.
0: That's great. Thank you for describing the, that progesterone, um, idea too. Um, I think that's fantastic because I think a lot of people get confused about whether or not they have PCOS or HA, or if they i have had clients be diagnosed with PCOS, but it really was just birth, uh, post birth control syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. so if, if anyone's like you know, if, if what Stephanie just went through sounds like you, you can go to, I can't remember the episode number, but it was with Dr. Felice Gersh, where she describes how you would get diagnosed with PCOS. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty useful. And also on my blog, I have it as well. So if you're kind of like, oh, that sounds more like me, but I don't know. How do I find out if I have it? That's that, that's a good resource because it's often misdiagnosed as well, even though it's it's quite common. Uh-huh. It's also constantly something else it seems like for a lot of people so yeah thank you for, for the, the differentiation that's really important
1: of course yeah and i think so often too like if you have a doctor and i'm sure you talked about this in your blog post but if you're listening to this and you've had a doctor who's diagnosed you with pcos from an ultrasound like yes. run like you run, find get a new doctor <laughs> And, yeah, and also the thing with the post-birth control syndrome, it's crazy because, like, you're going to have an androgen rebound oftentimes when you come off of birth control. And the way I like to describe this is like a boomerang. Like, you spent, you know, so much time suppressing, 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 and then you come off and it's like whoosh back at you in the other direction and so sometimes that will mimic pcos if you have the irregular cycle and you're breaking out and all of these like high androgen signs are coming up and doctors are so quick to be like okay pcos but really it's just post-pill pcos and um it doesn't necessarily it doesn't need to be treated the exact same way
0: yeah, that's oh. so important. Yes, we talk about all of that in the in the blog post, so definitely check that out. Or if sure. you're if you are listening to the podcast, you might be someone who learns through listening, so you can definitely hear Dr. Felice Gersh talk about it. She has a great book, by the way, called um, Oh My Gosh. What is her PCOS book? Oh, it'll come to me later. It's really good, though. <laughs> Anyways, cool. um, so okay, so we've covered hypothalamic amenorrhea, how that's different from polycystic ovary syndrome in terms of the getting diagnosed and what could be causing your lack of cycle. We've talked about the rare but not super rare prolactinoma or hyperprolactin, um, and then POI. Right? That's is that the final one you wanted to yeah. talk on today?
1: Yeah, we'll to absolutely. See what that is. So, so. POI is premature uh, ovarian insufficiency, and so sometimes called premature and premature ovarian failure. Um, it is not the same as going into early menopause, though that is sometimes how it is communicated or described. And so, if your cycles are becoming more irregular and you are under forty, it's oftentimes can be because of POI. One test that you can do and that I actually really recommend women get regularly if family planning and fertility planning is something that is important to them once they're in their like mid-20s and up is like getting an AMH level looked at, anti-malarian hormone. Um, And sometimes if your anti-malarian hormone is coming back particularly low, that can be a sign that you're go you have POI. And so if, that's like an easy way to get that either ruled out or looked at, you know, if you go and get your AMH levels looked at and they're 4.5 or something, then you don't have POI, but if they're coming back, you know, lower than one, that might be something that's happening in the cause of your missing period.
0: Okay. So if someone did get this test, the AMH and they're and um, they were lower than one, where would one, what would be the next step for somebody with POI?
1: A really good question. So depending on what your fertility goals are, and like what your family planning goals are, it would look a little different. Like if you are not interested in having kids or you're done having kids, you can definitely still do like um, vitamin D is really beneficial for improving AMH and really helping. The way that we think about AMH is a little bit skewed. In my opinion, I work a lot with women who are experiencing infertility and in the conventional fertility world amh is seen as like a a stagnant line that's either gonna like stay or go down and it's just going to like decrease as you age it's not true and i've seen like amazing results with you know like i had a client who came to me with an amh level of i think 0.56 she's 37 or 38 and after three months of working together it went up to like 1.25 And so like, that's like an exceptional case, but I mean, it, it can change because what it really is measuring, it's not measuring how many eggs you have left. It's really measuring how your body is much, how many of those eggs, your body is, follicles, your body is maturing into eggs, like how many it can mature at any given time and that we can um, manipulate with proper nutrients and lifestyle, all of that. So depending on what your fertility goals are, you could either like, Choose to potentially go into fertility treatment or change your family planning timeline. Like if this came back that your cause of an amenorrhea was POI. I have a client right now who's 26 and has an AMH level of 0.35 um, oh, and wow. has been diagnosed with POI. And so we actually started working together because she wanted to go to do egg retrievals so that they could freeze embryos so she could have kids later. She actually ended up getting pregnant naturally. Like you only need one really high quality egg is all you need. So like <laughs> yes. it's quality over quantity, but, um, but you could either go in that direction where like choosing to do egg retrievals, um, if that was your family planning, pr- like priority, or you could move up your timeline, or if you're not interested in necessarily the pregnancy piece of it, but you just want to have more regular cycles, really just doubling down on vitamin D, D really supporting dog, right? all D is a dog, yeah. Mm -hmm. As we've seen, is one of the most beneficial nutrients, and I mean, I like to see vitamin D levels like at seventy to ninety for optimal fertility. And they oftentimes, I mean, I don't think I've had anyone come into my, you know, practice with a vitamin D never forty, never, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, never see vitamin D
0: above forty. That's actually after working together, I see it go up, but, um, totally. but like the so beforehand, no, no. <laughs> it's always low. Yeah. So vitamin D as in dog, like the vitamin you get from the sun um, is often low, yeah. especially if you live like in the Northeast or if you have an infection or inflammation that's artificially suppressing it or an autoimmune disease. So love that. So vitamin D supplementation or getting it from foods or whatever
1: they need to do, right? Really to get their vitamin D up is important. Okay. Totally. And then really also just, I mean, lifestyle is so important with POI too. Like whether or not you're trying to get pregnant, like treating your body like it's already pregnant, you know, when it comes to drinking and exercise and stress, all of that is really what's going to help that AMH and help um, you cycle regularly if that's the goal.
0: I love that idea of treat your body like it's already pregnant. Like what would you do if you were pregnant? You wouldn't take as many risks with your body, right? Mm. Totally. I love that. I love that. I love that. Okay. So PCOS, POI, HA, post-birth control syndrome, um, any other things that could be causing amenorrhea that you want to cover today? I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think the only (laughs) thing I would say is I've seen thyroid conditions screw up the regularity of a cycle and certainly suppress um, progesterone, which could be very confusing, <laughs> Um, but I don't think it wouldn't be. It wouldn't necessarily be my first place to go if I was like, you know, amenorrhea. I would definitely. I think for me, I think this is important because we just cover like five five ways that it could be. um, Would be like, what's your roadmap, right? Like, do you start with one mm-hmm. and then roll out the next? Do so you kind of test for everything at once? I think that might be really overwhelming for some some women. Um, so if um, I'm actually really curious cause I know what I would do, but what would you do if someone came to you with no cycle, what order or testing and things would you start with or lifestyle things would you start with?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, I think it depends so much on like when I like talk to someone, I'm asking them so many questions about their lifestyle, their diet, their history. When did you start bleeding? Tell me more about all of, you know, everything. And from there, I feel like we can, quickly either rule things out or be like, oh, I think it's HA because your calorie count has been under 1200 for the past two years and you Peloton six times a week. So like, right. Like I think I would use that to help me gauge. I think most frequently though, I see PCOS as being the like primary cause of amenorrhea in my practice. So I think usually it's like starting there checking out symptoms, checking out if there's any blood work to back it up. Um, and then lastly, I'll give you first and last, and then everything else in between is probably just depends on the person. Um, and then lastly, I'd probably go with prolactinoma, I think, or POI.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I haven't, I, I have to say, I haven't really had a, P- a PCOS client who, whose only symptom was, amenorrhea. And I think also they were still getting their cycle. Like they would get it every 45 days or something like that. So I, I feel like, and then when you look at the blood work and or the hyperandrogen symptoms, it's pretty easy to tell whether or not someone has PCOS. So I feel like you're right. Like more often than not, it's a regular cause of a regular cycle is PCOS, but, and that's probably where I would start. But I think the the questionnaire is in like really getting, I do like a 90 minute intake with every client. Like when they first, start, cause it's just so many things to cover and you can really find a lot if you just sit down and talk to someone and listen to them. You know, I think you can rule out a lot of things totally. or, or steer the, yeah, steer the um, conversation in a certain way or, or certain testing to get done.
1: Totally. And I'm like, so it really warms my heart. I mean, I also do a 90 minute intake with clients and like, it warms my heart to hear that there are people like us doing this because it's so amazing to me when clients come to me and they've seen their doctor for 10 minutes and then they're like, I don't know what's going on. Or my doctor said this. and I'm like, how do you know that from looking at someone for 10 minutes?
0: (laughs) I know it's so hard to learn. Yes. Okay. So let's just make sure. um, Okay. So we kind of talked about all like what it is, what the causes are, and then like kind of what to almost what to do like so for premature ovarian insufficiency we talked about you know getting your your amh um amh tested vitamin d is a, is one way to boost it if it's low um if it's pcos that's a whole other podcast as to what to do but it's it's all diet and lifestyle and i love what you said about treating your body as if it 's already pregnant, I think that kind of goes across the board if you 're trying to improve your health mm-hmm. right um, and then for h a we would we would talk about you know increasing calories or reducing extreme exercise in order or looking at um, major emotional or other stressors i mean i 've definitely had situations where people had have irregular cycles or missing cycles because they had parasites and a whole bunch of gut stuff, and their boss was terrible, and they you know, got COVID and like all these other things happened and like, it was just like the compounding effect of all the stress. So I think those are good. And then, um, post birth control syndrome is kind of like a little bit of a waiting gain. and there's things we can do to speed it up. Are there any other like kind of tips or things like you would tell someone to do in any of these categories if they, if they had that cause of
1: amenorrhea? Yeah. The one thing I'll say about HA coming from Uh, lack of calories or carbohydrates and or overeating is I mean under eating or overexercising is like it can be and like I love that story you shared about the client where like it came back like that and I've also seen it take years for people and like so just really trust that like your body is on its own timeline. And like with HA, there's really no way that like we can manipulate that. And so like, I've seen people who like have to completely stop exercising, like anything beyond like a gentle walk around the park is like really too much. Um, It depends like where you're coming from. And so really like being honest with yourself about like where you're at and where you want to go and like what you're going to be willing to do to get there because it can be really challenging, but it will come back almost in all cases it's just a matter of is it going to take three months or is it going to take two and a half years you know we just don't know um but really like I love that treat your body like it's your best friend you know and like you wouldn't want to starve your best friend you wouldn't want to like train her too hard just like give her lots of love um and as far as post birth control syndrome I mean I my biggest Thing is like usually I think the liver is so totally needs so much help and so like go at it from all directions food castor oil packs you know all the things like really just give that liver some love because especially if you've been on the pill for a long time it has been working overtime and the faster you get your liver cleared out working like it's total low down and working the way that we want it to um the faster your period is going to come back to mm,
0: yes I, and I, I just really want to emphasize I love what you said about HA and about any of it, like any reason why you have amenorrhea like just because you know someone who got off the pill and got their period right away or you know got their period to be regular does not mean that that's going to be your timeline like it could take a long yeah. time and we um we want instant gratification in this day and age and sometimes it's not the way hormones work usually it takes at least 3 cycles for things to start to regulate themselves so that is such important advice and like invaluable advice for you to share with listeners that, you know, to trust their body and know that they're doing everything that they can to support it. Um, And yeah, that's just great. Awesome. Okay. So I think, gosh, I think we just turned amenorrhea inside and out and went through every single Cooked and crevice, Um, Stephanie. How can people get in touch with you if they want some support with their fertility or amenorrhea or anything else that you do in your in your practice at Bright Bean Health?
1: Yeah, so come find me on Instagram. Um, That's usually the best place to find me. My handle is Stephanie Adler. Stephanie is with an S, so Stephanie Adler Wellness and. Yeah, that's usually the best to find me if you really want to like reach out to me via email. If you don't have an Instagram, Stephanie with an F at brighteninghealth.com. And that I can't wait to connect with your community. I'm so excited about this. And also just like so excited to have found this whole sister, Sophie. So
0: Yes, me too. Okay, great. Well, thank you
1: so much for, for sharing
0: some knowledge with us today. It's such an important topic. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have you back on for another topic soon. I can't wait. Awesome. Well, guys, I'm going to sign off too. This is Sophie Shepard, your host of the She Talks Health podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at She Talks Health. Um, I have an open DM policy. So if anything from this episode confused you, you can obviously reach out to Stephanie. You can reach out to me. We want to support you. So please reach out. Let us know how this was for you. And I hope you gained something incredible, some incredible knowledge about your body from this episode. And we'll see you soon on the next episode of the She Talks Health podcast. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid. And I'm always here for you.